Hello, everybody. I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Hi, Dell Shores. Look at you. All new set, fall festive wardrobe. I know. I'm in the South. It got a little crisp here in Louisiana, and uh, my internet went down because of the hurricanes. They're having problems here with internet. And oh. so I'm at the, the office of the head of the department at uh, Northwestern State University, Brett, my buddy, and he let me have this. And I just love the backdrop with the troll doll and the mask and a little Corbell and a I lot of books. Bottle of champagne and a troll. It definitely seems like it's an office that could represent you as well. Well, and a mirror ball. Don't forget the mirror ball. <laughs> All of the important festive decorative features. I like it. It's very professional. Professorial yet inviting. Welcome. Yes, yes. How are things in Louisiana? They're absolutely wonderful. It's um, it's it's interesting teaching with mask on, and you know, I'm I'm every single day I teach with the mask and the shield, and yes. so then I I I to lecture I can do this, and but I keep twelve feet away and. You know, just to be conscious of it, especially when you're directing kids in acting. And uh, I think the, the the hardest thing for me, honestly, is to to see this amazing department with these beautiful theaters. You know, colleges have the best theaters, and they're just dark. They're yeah. all just dark, and all the all, the senior year of so many of these kids is performing on Zoom. You know, yeah. and uh, with no hope of a graduation. You know. So, yes. I mean, you know, uh, you know, walking through with the cap again, I don't think most of them don't really give a shit about that, but they do care about not getting to do their plays. And yes. uh, so you, I've been talking to them about their mental health, like we, you and I talk about, you know, and, yeah. um, they seem to be doing better than I expected, quite honestly. Yeah. So, well, that's good. And, and, and you, you know, and, and that that impacts all of those things relate to being an actor, you know, being connected to your own well-being and and what you're doing is, you know, it's important. I told them, you know, I said, you're going to use this. You're going to be able to use this time to draw this. This curse will be your blessing as you perform. As you know, give me some damage and I'll give you a good performance. It is true. So, um, so um, did you walk at your college graduation? Well, I almost didn't. You know <gasps> what the, happened? Well, I was involved in a scandal. I don't know. It's hard, I know, for you to believe that. But I just can't imagine. Please tell me more. Well, you, you I, I know you remember when uh, Playboy came to the Southwest Conference and Baylor said that if any girl posed in Playboy, that they would not be able to graduate. And so I was actually on that journalism team I was part of the lariat that got fired because we wrote an editorial called to pose and not to pose or not to pose. And then we defied the administration very cleverly, almost illegally by uh, switching an editorial after it was approved because we were we were being censored, you know, because it was yeah. a Baptist university. We were being censored. And uh, Ralph Strother, the head of the department, would stand at the door, read it before it went to print. So we that's back in the day where you pasted it up and yeah. we had our uh, the, the guy that was driving it was in on it. We wrote another editorial. 
he ripped the up one out that meant nothing and we put that one in that was about censorship how you teach one thing and you do another and we got fired and we told we were told that we were not going to be, the seniors who were, were fired could graduate but they would not be able to walk in their cap and gowns and lorraine shores pitched a fit oh I can she imagine was, she was upset so she wrote a letter to abner mccall and i don't know that she caught caused the change but i didn't care emerson i was like hey this is a badge of honor i don't have to walk through, you know in the cap and gown and sit there with you know 800 other people as my name was called yeah it meant, it meant a lot to my mama that, so. see i had the same because i graduated from college the same day and time as my youngest brother graduated from high school so like it was not possible for my family to be at both and i was like go to his i don't care but my parents both graduated from Baylor and my grandfather worked at Baylor and also my dad came and went to mine. And you know, it's hundreds of people. I'm not close to anybody I know well. Somewhere I have a photo of me like going like on the jumbotron as it was my turn to walk across. And then we walked around and took photos of me in my cap and gown on campus, sitting in Judge Baylor's lap, doing various activities that were more memorable. A little bit disrespectful, I would think, just a little bit with in, in, in that lap. But yeah. what I graduated, and it, you know that Denny's by La Quinta. We, uh -huh. I, we went there for, I don't know if it was the only thing open. I have no idea, but we went there for a little bite. I got in my Mustang, handed my cap and gown to my mother, and I drove to California. And my mother yeah. was like crying. And, well, I'm glad this meant so much to you. <laughs> So. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, what we do is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. Whether you're watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Periscope, on Twitter, say hello. Share the broadcast with your friends. And our all-new earlier in the daytime to those of you that will be watching later because you can't watch because you're working and you're essential and doing things. Hello. Uh, Ted. Hi, Ted from WeHo. Uh, we are... All right. So, last night, dueling town halls. Ooh. Who watched? And which one did you watch? Did you watch parts of both? Did you watch any at all? Dell, you were just I, telling me. I was teaching from uh, yep. during the whole thing. So, and I don't have, um, what's it called? What's that thing where you can record? Um, DVR. DVR. I don't have a DVR here. So I did get the highlights, you know, and uh -huh. I, I thought, well, okay. You know, it didn't seem like there was anything enlightening that happened from the highlights that I saw. I just saw, you know, Trump continue to spew lies. And uh, what you, you wrote that you, you said that, that he threatened to go out and kiss people. That was not last <laughs> night. That was different. That's not related. OK. All right. <laughs> that was so, earlier in the week. But um, um, I, well, I saw I saw the mother and daughter questioning this morning, which I thought was interesting. One was for Biden and one was for Trump. And uh -huh. um, I saw that, and uh, I don't know. What, what did you think? Eventful? Uh, I did not watch Trump, for sure. I did see a couple of the clips of Savannah Guthrie sort of tearing into him. People sort of forget that she was she went to law school at Georgetown. She's not just, you know, happy in the morning. Um, and I'm not even going to bother with that. Uh, but I did watch the big, important clips from Biden. Same thing. Blake and I were rehearsing our show last night. And the big one, specific to our community in our show is that they're a mom of a trans kid 
got up and asked, how will you as president reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that li the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected? And Biden started off saying, I will flat out just change the law, eliminate those executive orders, number one. He told that story again that I think most of us have heard somewhere about being young and his dad and seeing two men kissing and his dad saying it's just love. Um, and then he specifically men mentioned the murder of trans women of color. He didn't get the number right. He was a little clunky in his description of the process for a trans person, uh, but it was so evident and clear that this is a man who cares, uh, that is in and supportive of our community. And that was really lovely to see for the first time our issues mentioned in the like big debates, in this non-debate, if yeah. you will. Yes. Uh, it was, uh, so So I, I think it, what was really odd though is, I mean, it, it made made a lot of press uh, angry was the, the do, why, why on the same night? I just don't understand why they did that. Yeah, it was a huge miss on NBC's part to do that. Um, for those of you, you know, that they planned them at the same time, y'all, uh, they were doing, you know, they got, they had each had that amount of time with that network. So it wasn't like Trump got more time or new time with NBC that Joe didn't get. Right. But the choice to add it second and add it at the exact same time was a really bad marketing uh, conflict decision because say you were an independent voter. Well, at this point, I think that means you're stupid. Uh, an undecided voter, you're dumb. Um, I know what I should, yes. At this point, if you are undecided, you know, like I get it. If you're a bigot, great. You're voting for Trump. If you're undecided at this point, I don't know what else you need. Like, that's, well, that's just where I'm at. I, 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 and I want to add one other thing. If you keep flip flopping from one to the other, why? I mean, it's like, oh, I'm going to, oh, he said, so, oh, he said something I like. He said, like, oh, at this point, oh, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that job back or what the fuck ever. I just and also, like, I already voted. My vote is done. I got my email from LA County saying that my vote has been accepted. Um, I'm I did too. It was very exciting. I don't know if y'all can see that, but this is this is the notification I got that my vote vote has been accepted and counted. Uh, yeah, I got it too. I posted it. I uh, I loved that I got that. Um, Kevin said NBC is a media whore for doing it. Uh, Michael said Joe did a great job thoughtfully answering questions instead of talking over the host like Cheeto head. I mean, Savannah really did hold Trump's feet to the fire in the clips that I saw, which I greatly appreciated. It was just a bad decision at the network level because say somebody wanted to watch both candidates, which they should if you're trying to be informed, right? It was not possible. And that seems a disservice to voters. That's well, my only reason to watch Trump again would just to hate him more. I well, mean, just go, I just want to hate him more. So, but I, also, my mental health just can't take it. I'm like, nope, I'm on the train. I get it. Um, I'll show y'all, and y'all, I'm I have added new things I, this week. I'm writing letters with vote forward to send to uh, voters that are not likely to vote. I'm doing everything I can think of. Well, I'm very proud of you, and, and probably because I mentioned it. Uh, Blake and I, we're rehearsing our show. Oh, Lord almighty. There it is. Um, <laughs> There's, it's about feet. It was a close-up. It's a feet show. Blake and I, were rehearsing last night our Once Upon a Lockdown show. Uh, we have new neighbors in our apartment building, like behind, on this wall behind me. This delightful couple just moved in. Um, and so she came over the other day and we were rehearsing. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, we're loud. You can always text and be like, don't annoy me right now. 
And last night she came over and knocked after we were done and said, I love it. Where can I see the show? Uh, I, I was listening to y'all sing, Let Me Be Your Star from Smash. And I recorded it and sent to my friend and said, this is my new neighbor. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. I so love that like, story. But if I you want that. tickets, please get them. Please come. It's just $20 for you and as many people you want to watch with you. EmersonCollins.com uh, for our little show, Sunday the 25th. Get your COVID people, the ones that are, you know. Yeah, get the, your, your pod. Get your pod. Your pod, yes. And watch, watch the, the, the Emerson. I'm going to have to watch it after. So I got I to gotta get, I got to get, that reminds me, I'm going to get my credit card out right now and buy that once after this is over. Um, and and, and if you can't watch it at the right time, y'all, the link is a private link on YouTube and you'll be able to watch it anytime. So you don't have to tune in live. Thank you, Michael. I'm so glad and grateful. And that's a very good picture of you, Michael. It's handsome. All yeah, right, y'all. Well, shall we roll on to those hearings? Oh, yes. Okay. So now that uh, the Amy Coney Barrett hearings uh, are now on to the Amy Coney Barrett. Y'all, I'm just a little bit fatigued here. Uh, we discussed Tuesday as it was happening, her calling it sexual preference. And in that the afternoon, Senator Maisie uh Hirono of uh, Hawaii, who I love. If you haven't seen her, she's so fantastic. She brought it up and saying sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part of a person's identity. And later, Senator uh, soon to be not Senator, uh, Johnny, uh, Joni Erst of Iowa gave her an opportunity and Barrett clarified that she intended to suggest no hostility with her use of the term and offered an apology. So there's that. <laughs> so, so and then, and then of course my very unfavorite Senator, uh, I mean, it's a close, it's close between McConnell and Lindsey Graham. Lindsey, uh, He's, he got his turn and it went a little weird. He asked her, is there any constitutional right to a poly, uh, polygamous, polygamous relationship? Now, here's the deal. Here's what's interesting to me about this, because people are making an assumption as to why he asked this question. Maybe he wants to be in one, y'all. I don't know. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe Lindsay wants to have a group, a group also, of maybe, men. I mean, after this lockdown, maybe people want to marry their whole pod. That's, that's right. That's I mean, there's a, we have a story. We have a story about your pod and sex later. So she seemed uh, to be taken aback. And she said, mm, let's see. Uh, that might be a question that could be litigated at, you know, polygamy, obviously, in many places is illegal now. But that could be an issue someone might litigate before the court at some point. Uh, so Lindsay. Lindsay pushed back and said, somebody might have made the argument it's possible for three people to love each other genuinely, and that would work this way with the court if somebody wanted to make that argument. Is that correct? And she agreed. Somebody could make that argument. It seemed that Graham was trying. Now, this is what the assumption is. It seemed he was trying to set up uh, uh, that 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 the, the, the scrotus, the scrotus, <laughs> I say that okay, all the Jimmy time. Dale. Because of my show of 
that 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 would be a, a dangerous precedent. You know that we did get gay marriage and that it could lead to polygamy with the uh, subtext that. Obergefell needs to be overturned to prevent that. But that's, he didn't say that. And I'm still going to go with that. Lindsay is wanting to, to have a, a pod of, of polygamy. He wants, you know, he's never been married. So maybe he's ready to take the leap into several. Or he's just advocating for the rights of throuples. Maybe he's just interested in, you know, the ability to make an Eiffel Tower and be the, the one in the middle. Who knows? You know, and, and and we don't have any crazy proof that Lindsay is closeted or we have no living. proof. No. no proof. There's none. No. There's none. But there's all these rumors. But it would be unfortunate when all was said and done, like so many of these senators, like so many of these anti-LGBT uh, politicians. It would be unfortunate if that were to ever uh, rear its. Its. I don't know. I gotta be honest, at this point, that nothing, like nothing, like nothing real has ever come out, makes that, it seem to me so unlikely now. You yeah, know, like I, in I, all that era with the like, that that one on the Twitter who was like, oh, all the, all the, you know, Red Boys tell me, you know, and nobody said any, nothing, nothing has come out. It just seems yeah. like if there was anything, this era would have been the time. It seems it. It does seem it. It seems that, uh, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I don't care uh, because he's terrible at his job. So we're going to vote for Jamie Harrison, uh, who is raising all the money and doing great and get him out so he can go and, off and, and he, live in obscurity. I don't want him. I don't want him. Right. Do you? I, I do no. not want him. No. Um, all right. Well, continuing the hearings. Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont asked Amy Coney Barrett her thought uh, if she thought same-sex marriage should be a crime. And she said, a Burgerfeld clearly says that there is a constitutional right to same-sex marriage. That's what she said. Now, he followed up and asked if she agreed with that precedent. And she said, basically, I can't answer that. Well, Senator, for the reasons that I've already said, I'm not going to give a thumbs up or thumbs down to any particular precedent. It's precedent of the Supreme Court that gives same-sex couples the right to marry. Now, remember the other day during Dell's internet crisis when I was telling you about Outspoken and the LGBT conservatives? Well, they are taking that and sharing it uh, like she is supportive of it because that's what they need to be able to continue to side with her. They're sharing this meme and saying, don't listen to the scaremongers. But despite her hedging, it's important to note that in her writing and in her career, Amy Coney Barrett uh, has talked about precedents two different ways. She has talked about super precedents, which in her mind are cases that are so well settled, no one is seriously yeah. pushing to overturn them, whether they are originalist constitution or not, and just precedents that are and can still be challenged. It's important to note that to her, Roe v. Wade is not a super precedent. It's still being challenged. It's still open to the courts to make decisions. So related to ours, Merely stating that Obergefell is a precedent doesn't mean that much coming from her uh, in the way that these log cabin Republicans at Outspoken want it to. Because she's just saying, this is the status quo. But she has made it clear that there are many situations in which the status quo can still be challenged and overturned. So y'all, that was her threading a needle, not expressing support. Um, and then one tiny thing, because it's annoying, our California Senator, Diane Feinstein, at the end of these hearings that Lindsey Graham pushed through, that Lindsey Graham refused to get a COVID test 
for fear of turning up positive and not being able to run these hearings and not getting the Supreme Court seat filled before the election. Uh, at the end, Dianne Feinstein turned to Lindsey Graham and said, I just wanna thank you. This has been one of the best set of hearings that I've participated in. Thank you so much for your leadership. And then as they were leaving, she went over and gave him an unmasked hug. Now look, Dianne Feinstein is a ranking Democrat on the committee. Uh, and she is very aware of the Republic, what the Republicans have done with this nomination and ramming it through and the way the questioning has worked. And so for her to sit there and be like, my friend, Lindsay, you just did this so good. That is not to me an example of bipartisanship. It's just like bending over forward and taking it with no lube. Well, and, and to give him, to give him a, a hug like that with no mask and she's 86 years old. There I are mean, no spring chickens in that, in that room. I know. I mean, there could be a, if there was a COVID outbreak uh, with those 80 year olds, I mean, there's, there's about eight of them that would just drop. Drop like flies. Uh, so, all right. Well, we have another Karen in the news and this is in one of our favorite cities, Palm Springs. I know it was personal. That's why I put it in. I just could not believe it. So there's this anti-masker Karen in Palm Springs. And this time it, was at the Bones and Scones Pet Store. Uh, an employee uh, named Aiden Bearpaw, I love it, just love that his last name is Bearpaw. He had a run-in with her a few minutes after closing and recorded the encounter. In the six minute video, she says, I won't wear a mask because I can't. I'll have a panic attack, I will freak out. When he denies her entrance, uh, she, entry, she calls 911 as per the 1964 Civil Rights Act, I cannot be discriminated against, she says. I do have a right to be able to breathe O2 and not CO2. And I'm being discriminated against right now at this store. I'm being told I need to wear a mask even though I have religious exemption right and a God-given right to be able to breathe O2 not CO2. She really was stuck on that O2 CO2 shit. He says, uh, he, then he says, well, I thought it was a medical exemption. She says, uh-huh, yes, uh, medical exemption too. It's all under the same topic. Uh, 911 tells her she has to follow the mask wearing rule per the city ordinances. She decides to wait for the officer, uh, not to wait for the officer because the store will be closed in six minutes. She had something on the the stove. When it went viral, then she called 911 again and Bear Paul said, my bosses were initially furious. My co-workers were all very supportive and made it clear that there would be consequences if I were terminated. Um, General Manager Jay Smith, in addition to his co-workers, defended him and the company is proudly standing behind him. As Smith said, Aiden won for all of us. He didn't just win for bones and scones. He won for the city of Palm Springs, for the United States, and for humanity in general. Love this. Also, I love like everything about this crazy Laura, I believe is her name, her real name's video. She showed up right at closing time, like six minutes before closing time, clearly prepared with the speech she was going to give about not wearing her mask into a store called Bones and Scones, high-end pet store for her babies, her babies. She wants, her babies need whatever she drove 20 minutes both ways to pick up today. And she's not worried about any of the real people. Like, this kind of intentional aggravation, like she had this Civil Rights Act speech prepared, this CO2, O2, not CO2, to stand in this doorway just to like ruin poor Aiden's day. 
And and don't get me started on what she was wearing. It was not flattering on any level. I'm just I wish saying. I had a pet. My next time out in Palm Springs, I'd go to Bones and Scones. That's the one. They have three locations. This is specifically the one at Vista Chino and Sunrise for you locals, I believe. Uh, that that one, the Vista Chino one. And give some support to Aiden and Jay. Excuse me, but you have three precious, precious dogs that love you with all their heart and soul. And I believe that you could at least pony up a little bit of a gift for Gracie Louise, who gets nuts when she hears your voice and jumps on my lap just trying to find you. When I mean, it is true. We're going to find some things for your little bitches at the Bones and Scones. All right. That's it. Thank okay, you. Well in a uh, celebration news, uh, I want to share her with all of you. Um, uh, I had this story up and then there was an addendum to it. Shakina Napek is the first trans series regular on a network primetime comedy in a new series called Connecting that follows a group of friends during lockdown in video chat. The actors all filmed remotely on iPhones and were directed on Zoom. It's an exciting accomplishment. You may be familiar with her. I loved her specifically on Difficult People on Hulu. She had a one-woman show called Manifest Pussy, and she was in Amazon's Transparent musical finale. She told The Advocate about the show that she worked with the writers to develop a three-dimensional character. She said, we get like a scorecard. Check one for representation. But then, like, how are we going to complicate that representation? How are we going to be responsible with that reputation? And those are the really cool questions that I get to ask with the creative team. I like to stay away from the narratives of, you know, first achievement and think more about the legacy that we are building together as a community of trans actors fighting for representation for the rest of us out in the world. So this huge moment in her personal life, her career um, is all happening. And then when they announced this NBC town hall connecting her series is airing on NBC she was one of the first people to step forward and challenge NBC on how much it was bullshit. She tweeted, shame on NBC. Y'all signed my checks as of late, but I'm disgusted by my home network giving Trump a, flat, a platform for fear-mongering, bigotry, and disinformation. Don't praise yourselves for putting a trans woman on primetime, then give a platform to someone who wants to abolish my rights. And I tell you what, that is a ferocious statement out of an actor's mouth it's just to challenge the network they are on in the middle of your big moment, your big series premiere. I mean, there are lots of people with much longer track records at NBC that it took much longer or had, didn't say anything at all. I just thought that was amazing. I think it's crazy amazing. I, I love, love, love that she was brave enough. That's what it is. Yeah. You're brave enough to challenge the person who, or the company that signs your checks. And I think it's also the result of, you know, so many marginalized people when they get opportunities by the very nature of being the first person for something or one of the first people to get a specific opportunity, you sort of don't have any choice, but to be an activist at the same time as you are an artist on behalf of the community you're representing. So I think it's in the nature of her journey, you know, that she is at the front of her, community to just naturally then step over to the space of being like, great, thanks for the gig, but also what the fuck? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't watched the show yet, but I'm definitely going to. Do you remember early, you know, with gay characters, the first time there was a gay character on show, a show, I watched every show in the early 2000s that had a gay character. Like yeah, as soon me as too. I, there was a gay character, I went and watched it because there yeah. were so few. 
Now we're fortunate enough there's enough that it, you couldn't really do that very easily. But I still think about how that is for trans people, for gender non-conforming people, that like everyone, you know, I remember Candace Kane on Dirty Sexy Money, like yes. every, every new hurdle, the excitement of that representation. And she's that for herself, but also for uh, that part of our community. So That's one of our, when we, you and I were doing the series, and the, 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 the reason we thought of Candace was because of Dirty Sexy Money and yeah. to do that part. And how exciting was it for us? We were such fans to, to work with her. Uh, yeah, I just, I love it. And I, you know, we've all been in those situations, but I, not to compare because that is such a huge thing, but uh, where you go, do, do I dare challenge my employer? When I yeah. disagree with my employer, do, yeah. you know, in fear of of livelihood, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, good for her. Good for Absolutely. her. So I love this. Love, love, love this next story so much. It just I don't even know if I could get through it without getting emotional. It just it was so beautiful. Um, after Alexandria uh, Cortez asked uh, Democrats to speak. Uh, to the Republican voting loved ones about the election. Brennan, uh, I guess it's called, uh, named Suen, Suen, decided he needed to approach his much-loved 94-old grandmother. Now, although his grandmother is the great his greatest ally to the LA LGBT community, she's also a lifelong Republican voter. And uh, he told the Peak News, she is old fashioned and not one to talk about politics. And even though uh, she watches broadcast news, she isn't paying attention to a lot of things going on. So I knew that it was up to me to tell her the personal stakes of this election. He called her on his lunch break and quickly started crying. Uh, he said, I told you, I told her about the fear that my community lives with every day. And she just immediately said, I won't vote for those people, I promise. I was surprised she responded that way so quickly after decades of voting Republican. I asked her again and she promised again and she said she would never break a promise to me. I know that is the truth. She told me I am her favorite grandson, the love of her life, and that she would do anything for me. The next day, he called his grandmother to tell her that he had written about the phone call on Twitter and that it had gone viral. She told me she was proud of me and said, you know, I have my loyalties, but my biggest loyalty is to my grandson. Such a beautiful story. It is. And such a reminder. It's all the way back to Har the, what Harvey Milk said. You know, once, if they know someone, right? If they know us. Um, and the bravery of talking to your oldest uh, family members. I've, you know, I've never said this on the show before, but my, my grandpa, when my grandfather died, I, he was sick at the end. He had a heart attack, and my grandmother had, had Alzheimer's. And I just decided at that point it wasn't necessary. Like I didn't need it um, to tell him, like to come out. You know, it was like a long journey of like who knew what. Um, and I regret that sometimes not epically but like thinking but i think it would have been fine and i think seeing people willing to risk relationships uh to be open and use who they are to change people's minds is so inspiring at every level um and at any age well you know i don't uh, i love that you, that you 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 think about that and you wonder what would have the conversation been like because i think what this proves is that many times we have uh, these doubts and these these fears, and 
the re the response is different than we thought it it might be so we fear the possibility not knowing that the outcome could be a very beautiful thing i remember talking to my aunt sissy who everybody knows because uh, i've uh, i've written about her in sorted lives and i i remember talking to her about my dad and how uh he i said you know he never understood me and she said well i don't understand you either but i don't need to and i just love that you know i don't yeah. understand you. i don't need to yep and it is it's important to remember like the win is different depending on the situation you know it's like that is the win great i don't need to, yeah and that's fine i don't need you to get it like that's okay i you know we i don't need you to understand all the intricacies of how it all works mm -hmm. um but just the love is what's important and a great reminder in the craziness of this current environment of reaching the people that can be reached. Also, like, don't put yourself in danger. You know, right. know the people that you know that it's like, it could go dark. Uh, you know, you don't have to win everyone and protect yourself first. And, well, because Danielle literally just said, unfortunately, sometimes the fears are justified. First well, of all, they, hi, Danielle. Hi, and Danielle. Yes. Yeah, I, I get Go ahead, Everson. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but and, and that's very true. And being aware that you are, there is a risk involved in opening yourself up in that way. So to make sure that you have a, a safety net and a circle of people, so that regardless of the reaction to that kind of conversation, you will still be safe and protected where you are in the world. And and not to and and Danielle, I I I know your story very well and. It was crazy that you just wrote that to me because this morning I was doing an interview and I thought about you and I thought of because I was telling the story of the response of my mom who said, oh, honey, I've been waiting for this your entire life and ended with you've always been my special boy. And I don't think we would have had this bond if if you hadn't been gay. And then I thought about Danielle, who, who had a, a, and is having a very different experience in my of than mine. So yes, it's it's unfortunate that some of the fears are absolutely justified, and not to negate that. All right, we reached the midpoint of our show, and we appreciate those of you who are able to tune in with us in the midday, and to those of you watching later. Hello again. Uh, we work hard to bring you a show that's both informative and entertaining, and if you are financially set and want to support that in a concrete way. Uh, you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. Thank you to Michael and Bob who have already sent over tips this morning. And then I will get right on uh, to the next portion. The I found this story really interesting. Um, I was not familiar with this artist's work, but I thought this was very fun. Duncan Grant was a painter and designer and was famously a part of the Bloomsbury Group an early 20th, 20th century group of writers in England, intellectuals, philosophers, and artists that included Virginia Woolf and Ian Forster. And the painter had numerous love affairs with men through his life. In fact, it is said that economist John Maynard Keynes uh, once considered Grant to be the great love of his life. Well, in 1959, Grant gave his friend Edward Lavas a folder of 422 erotic paintings that he had done in the 40s and 50s with the message, these drawings are very private. Inside was an incredible collection of erotic illustrations depicting gay sex and representing Grant's fascination with the male form and with queer sexuality. Now, it was widely believed that upon Labasse's death, his sister, I wanna show you the photos, uh, destroyed them all. So it had been assumed 
that these were all lost. It's sort of like the, the Tom of Finland of sorts of England drawing these in the 40s and 50s. Wow. Well, it turns out that like y'all, the gay grapevine, La Bosse gave them to Jean Cocteau, who gave them to Erdley Nolis, who ran an influential London art gallery. When Nolis died in 1991, he left them to Matei Radev, a Bloomsbury mainstay rumored to have a tortured love affair with E.M. Forster, who on his deathbed in 2009, left them to his partner, Norman Coates. Well, Norman's a theater designer who stored them for years in plastic folders under his bed. He used to bring them out at dinner parties. Well, now Coates has decided to hand the collection over to the Charleston Trust, which runs a museum dedicated to that Bloomsbury group. And the director of the Charleston Group told The Guardian, they are, I think, a body of work that talks of love. Of course, at a time they were made, that is a love that was illegal. He was never able to share the works. How we see them now will be very different. And I just found it really fascinating. You know, they're like, so tame. yeah, that they would seem so tame to us in our yeah. modern era and the kinds of porn that exist and the kinds of art that exists. But thinking of him doing these in the 40s and 50s, like 400 of them, knowing he was never going to be able to show them to anybody, giving them to a friend who gave them to a friend, who gave them to a lover, who gave them to a lover, who kept them under his bed and is like, oh, here's these cute little drawings now. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he knew that they were out there now, that it was okay to see them? I, I, I saw a, a, one of the lost plays of Tennessee Williams uh, at the Coast Playhouse, that, which was very, very gay. I wish I could remember the name of it. But I was thinking, God, you know, you, he never got it produced, never had it produced while he was alive. Wow. And um, I, I wonder how he would respond. Um, all right. Well, this is this is not a good story. It's a sad story. Uh, it's a, a very difficult news. This year is officially the deadliest year on record for transgender and gender nonconforming people. Thirty two individuals have been killed thus far. A majority of those murdered are blacks, black trans women of color, followed by Latina trans women, though trans men and non-binary people are among them as well. Uh, HRC President Alfonso David said dehumanizing rhetoric, especially by political leaders like President Trump, has a real life consequence for the community, particularly transgender women of color and especially black transgender women. So uh, Biden's response this weekend uh, showed he is a vocal ally in a pre-recorded statement uh, at Reverie TV's Queer X li Live. Biden said his this administration is denying access to health care. It's denying transgender Americans a chance to serve our country. It's letting adoption agencies and homeless shelters and other public service discriminate, turning a blind eye to the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color. Folks, the White House should never be a source of opposition or fear of oppression. Uh, it should be a source of hope and moral courage and unification. And Joe Biden said once again that if he wins, he will pass the Equality Act and pledge to win full rights for trans people and the LGBT uh, community. He said, as president, I promise you, I am going to draw on all the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally to the light, not the darkness. This is a time of real peril, but it's also a time of extraordinary possibilities. 
y'all vote November 3rd or before. And, well, and that was this weekend, right? Before the town hall last night, yeah. you know, which well, he didn't have the current number correct um, and had some clunky language. But it is a reminder that Joe Biden truly does mean the care that he has for our community. You know, Sarah McBride, who's running in Delaware, worked, I believe, for Bo Biden back in, uh, you know, that she and Joe Biden wrote the foreword to Sarah's book. That that's one of the people he was talking about in his answer last night. It may not be perfect all the time, but it is clear that he's invested in and knows what is necessary to advance equality for our community. Um, and it's just such a reminder in the midst of this epidemic that he knows and chose to bring up trans women of color in the answer to a question. Uh, that is a real ally, I truly believe. And it was great seeing so many trans people online last night, particularly trans people not in a sort of LGBTQ bubble like we have and live saying how much it meant to hear a presidential candidate talk with care and concern um, about their community. And then in lighter news, uh, you know, the Olympics got canceled, but Pride House Tokyo, the first permanent LGBTQ center ever established in Japan, opened last Sunday intentionally on International Coming Out Day. And I want to show y'all. They had originally timed it, of course, uh, to coincide uh, with the Olympics, uh, which have been moved. It's, it's called Tokyo Legacy and was created in partnership with Japanese authorities and Pride House International, um, supposed to be for the 2020 Summer Olympics and Paralympics postponed to next year. It's the first Pride House officially recognized by the International Olympics Committee, even though they were in London and Rio and several others. The IOC president, Thomas Bach, said, in sport, we are all equal. We therefore welcome the Tokyo 2020 has embedded diversity and inclusion in the Olympics Games model. Pride House Tokyo already revealed plans for advocating for the LGBTQ community in the lead up to, during, and after the Olympics taking place next summer. They will also serve as the home to LGBTQ community archives, another first in Japan. So it's a big deal for the Olympics, but it's also basically the first LGBTQ center in Japan. So that is an exciting and huge accomplishment because uh, rights are complicated uh, there. So it's a big win. And I love the Olympics. And I don't know about you, because those opening ceremonies, the Olympics always seem a little bit gay to me anyway. No bit. Yeah. So it just seems right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yay. And then we're let's move on to our Senate spotlight since we are uh all just I mean, it's what, less than three weeks away? It's it crazy. Is so soon. It's so soon. And uh, my favorite name, I think, uh, is flipping the Senate spotlight is on uh, John Hickenlooper in Colorado. He's currently up 10 points, y'all, over Republican Cory Gardner. Uh, the former Denver mayor and the Colorado governor has a successful track record as he took Colorado from 40th in job creation to uh, the number one economy. The number one economy, y'all. So he's passed uh, important anti-pollution climate change measures. He's passed gun safety laws and he's expanded Medicaid access. His commitment to the LGBTQ community goes back long before his current support of the Equality Act. So to volunteer or donate, please go to hickenlooper.com. I love that. He's doing well, but y'all, we are not taking any risks no. in these seats that we need to win. And then also in our LGBTQ spotlight, bringing back 
uh, somebody that we have talked about before because some nonsense is happening. Gina Ortiz Jones. Now, obviously, we're specifically invested because she's in Texas, and that is certainly a priority for us. Um, but she has been targeted with homophobic and transphobic attacks. The National Republican Congressional Committee, we've talked about them before because they give talking points to other people to slam liberal candidates. But they've now resorted to suggestive anti-LGBT rhetoric to help the Republican against her. A new 30-second ad released by them deems Ortiz Jones as too liberal for Texas. It's entitled Death Sentence. It also puts her side by side with Nancy Pelosi and AOC, alleging that Pelosi pays Ortiz Jones bills and that she should she would pay her back if elected. They refer to her as just Gina Jones, refusing to use her full name. It erases her Filipina heritage and they claim she uses it to pander to the district's obviously Hispanic heavy population. But the ad's most ridiculous claim is that she will divert military money for transgender reassignment surgeries. That's not a thing. Uh, and cite some unnamed article from the San Antonio Express News. Now, LGBTQ Nation, where I get lots of our news, could find no such article. And on their website, they put a picture of Gina and her partner, Anna, right before saying, the contrast between Tony Gonzalez and Gina Jones couldn't be clearer. You know, she's with a woman. He's heterosexual. Gonzalez is married to a woman and has five children. So if you've got a little extra, share some with Gina because this bullshit bigotry is wearing my ass out. Um, I ran into the other room so that I could show you. Look, these are the letters. Cause you know, y'all know I've been texting for candidates and uh, this week I decided to write letters. They all go out on Saturday, tomorrow. Uh, and they are letters that go to people in various places that haven't voted, but are registered to vote. So it's an encourage people to vote. And I took all ones from Texas because it felt like, oh, well that fits, you know, with something I care about. And then my quick little update on my little campaign that I made so you can donate to the all 20 of the 11 senators and nine LGBTQ candidates that we've been talking about on the show is up over $2,300. I appreciate all of you uh, that have supported. And if you want to, I just put the link in the chat room. Do not feel obligated. It's just an easy way. We're all doing our parts where we can, right? Yeah, good for you. I love that you've done that so much. Um, this next story, uh, Emerson has told me uh, over and over that I should not read his headlines, but I must because it is such a good headline. And the one thing that I have to say before I was fired at the Lariat at Baylor is I was one of the headline writers. And this is a good one. It uh, could not be published in the Lariat at Baylor. Right. Roommates fucking in lockdown. There um, it is. So, so <laughs> we have a question for all of you. Have any of you, now tell the truth, we're just a little group here today because we're at a special time, just tell us the truth. Have Bye. any of you hooked up with a roommate that is not a sexual partner or spouse since the start of the lockdown? Uh, tell us in the comments. Well, I guess they would have now been a sexual partner, but have you, have you, have you done the nasty? Have you done the deed with one of your roommates? If not, your roommate? not, what's that? I said, y'all fucking your roommates? 
are you fucking your roommate? If, if, uh, so I'm a professor here at this college. Or don't tell it. I bet people are listening outside that door. If so, you are not alone. Uh, matches, uh, annual singles in America survey found that one in four unattached Americans have had sex with a roommate during the pandemic. And that number is even higher among young people. Uh, of millennial and Gen Z respondents, one in three, uh, they're a little, well, you know, they're hornier at that age, uh, said they have. Singles are hooking up much less than this time last year. 71% said that they have not had sex at all during the pandemic. Okay, raising my hand right there, uh, unless you know with yourself counts. Um, a recent you Reddit, I know a, re a recent Reddit thread uh, provided some anecdotal evidence of the trend. One user wrote, "It's the most sex I've ever had in my life, and it's the perfect quarantine activity." She said she lives in a house with well, she has choices, six roommates, and one drunken night. I mean. Always, always has to be a drunken night. It led to everyone getting much closer. Uh, the study also said 16% of respondents said that they've self-pleasured more since March. I found that low. That does not seem high enough. 16% seems like some bullshit. I mean, I said it the other night in my show. I'm, I've started doing reruns on Pornhub. I've I feel like doing... there's a whole lot of people that are now into edging because they have the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's be honest, y'all. When your life is busy, it's like quick yank and spank and fall asleep. Like, release the tension, go to bed. But if you've got, look, staring down a full 12-hour day with nothing to do, oh, edging. Well, let's see uh, yeah. what happens if I delay this orgasm and learn to build it up a little bit. Anybody yeah. tried some edging? I have, but I did it. Uh, there was a Zoom edging thing that I early oh. in the pandemic. Yeah, I did. I was did it, it like a was it like a contest? To, and like if you and if you finished first, you lost. No, they they guided you through all these exercises and told you how to 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 not come and oh, to so delay and so and it was you like had orgasm yoga. Yeah, and of course you had the the. Um, if you could set your computer, you could only, it was kind of hot because you would watch everybody as well. Um, so um, I'm just confessing y'all. I'm just, have we're I, a small have group. I, you, I have the best idea for a coffee table book to sell at Urban Outfitters. I wanted to call it the O-Face book. And it's all just headshots of people mid-orgasm. So like when you set up the photo shoot, <laughs> You're just shooting their head, but you let people, you know, masturbate and finish and like leave the room. It's not meant to be pervy, but so that it's just a book of like 200 people, all ages, faces, shapes, sizes, colors of their people's O face. Cause we all look absurd. And I just feel like flipping through a book and seeing faces going, oh. it'd be hilarious because it's not porn, but you know what's going on underneath where you can't see. I think you should be able to press a button and hear the sound too. <laughs> <laughs> it's also an audio book for $19.99. <laughs> not, not, but not a scratch and sniff. Not that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I derailed. Did you finish the end of that? I did not. It says on the less sexual front, 63% of participants said they are spending more time getting to know potential mates, with 58% saying they're actively moving towards intentional dating. I'm kind of doing that right now with somebody. I, I, a, lot, a lot of talk. So yeah. we, we um, shall see. Here were the answers. Keith said, no, no roommates live with him. 
Kitty said, I sure do wish I had male roommates. Um, Erica said, hi. Um, Paige said, I didn't know about audio and ASMR before the quarantine. I feel like lots of people have had the opportunity to explore various things they might be into just because they've had time to think about it. I think the perfect response to our question was, I abstain. Well, here's the thing about... Um, okay, uh, this is not gonna make any sense, but I keep giggling every time I say y'all fucking your roommates because we were driving around and there's, you know, I can't see anyone and saw these two very attractive men and rolled down the window and I just spontaneously screamed out, y'all fucking! Because <laughs> we were wondering and then the light changed and we moved on. So now it has just become a thing that we randomly yell at people <laughs> like on television when, a cut, when you can tell people have sexual tension. So Blake wandered through the room a minute ago as I said it and like fell apart. So anyway, <laughs> that is a not interesting non sequitur story. You're welcome. It's a very funny story. Because right. the danger of fucking your roommates is what if they're bad? You know, it's great if it's good and it works out and you've had six months of good time with somebody inside your bubble. But what if that very first time you tried it, you were like, oh, it was toothy or, you know, awkward or. Or they kissed like a rottweiler. I mean, how know. do you say. You don't, there's no good excuses like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I got to go. Oh, I'm dating someone. Or what if they fall for you and you don't for them? Then it gets real awkward. You know, Lord, Lord, that's awkward. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, thanks y'all for indulging us because we're a more intimate group today. I'm just feeling more like sharing, just sharing and asking, over sharing. Y'all are the only people I talk to, so I just got to get it all out. Um, and then a fun little story that I found. A Scottish restaurant called We Mexico is getting a lot of attention after posting a photo of the new sign that they put outside their restaurant. And I want to show it to y'all because I just love just being blunt and to the point. See, We Mexico, their new sign says, we're back. Please do not enter if you have symptoms of COVID-19, racism, homophobia, transphobia. Straight to yeah. the point. Yeah. The general manager Ben Wyatt said they posted the sign in response to previous harassment of employees and customers. He said, we have quite a diverse group of staff and this is something we stand for. And we figured our customers would agree with it. And as the sign says, if not, we're not particularly keen to have them in here. Businesses shouldn't get involved in political issues, but this is against hate and bigotry towards other. We've had issues here before. A while back, some customers complained they were being harassed based on the way they looked, and we had to kick the perpetrators out straight away. And I just thought, good for them. They said, look, we don't want to waste anybody's time. If you've got the COVID, if you've got the racism, if you've got the homophobia or the transphobia, don't come in. Move ah. on. Move on down. Move See, on. You can stroll on down. As Diana Ross once said, ease on down, ease on down the road. Ease on down the road. Yes. I, I'm hearing it and I'm starting to move. And speaking of starting to move, this is a Jennifer Holiday story. That I put this so, just for you. Oh, I love her so much. And she's best known, of course, for winning the Tony as Effie in Dreamgirls. And she was on Thomas Roberts on his new Good Gay News show that premiered during the lockdown got to the discussion of the name of our community. And she said, they keep adding initials to the LGBTQ. We've got LGBTQIA. And then I heard somebody say D. It's uh, If it's in Atlanta, it means down low. Uh, 
<laughs> there's, there's a lot of people on the down low in Atlanta. A longtime ally to celebrate her 60th birthday on October the 19th. Uh, Holiday is joining with AIDS Healthcare Foundation and the Black Leadership AIDS Crisis Coalition to put on a virtual concert that will raise funds for Healthy Housing Foundation, a national organization that provides affordable housing to low-income families. General admission tickets are $20 and $60 for the VIP ticket includes a virtual meet and greet. Oh, she's $10 more than my virtual meet and greet. Um, She's worth it, y'all. She is worth it. Uh, I think I've told you this, Emerson, but one of the highlights ever of my young young life in LA when I moved to LA was seeing dream girls on stage at the Schubert theater and seeing Jennifer holiday perform that role. It was iconic. It was landmark. It was brilliant. Yes. And of course I'm sure, you know, Paige said, and the story goes that she came into the studio and said, she only does one take on a song recording. Um, that she like walked in was like, I did it. Bye. Got it. Got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. My favorite thing too is because what an icon, like what a what an important role, what an important story, what an amazing musical. You know, some of y'all know, Blake and I did a production of Dreamgirls last year that uh, here in Los Angeles, just because, you know, there's that those are five white characters. They need to say lines and be in the background. Blake sang the Cadillac car song, so he had a real role. And I was the stage manager who has four lines and I was so thrilled just to be able to be in the production while people sang those songs and sit in my chair and smile. Oh. And, but I love Jennifer Holiday When she sings that song now, it's, I love it. I will watch every version because now it looks like she's been possessed and she wears yes. those eventful wigs that sort of shake while she sings and it just makes my heart happy. But I, if, if you want, if you have never seen it, go to YouTube after our show and go Jennifer Holiday Tony Awards. I'm telling you, I'm not leaving. Or Dream Girls, and just watch her crawl around that stage and just claw desperately. I'm telling. I mean, it is staggering. It is so good. Um, I'm gonna giggle so hard forever at you just calling it, and I'm telling you I'm leaving. <laughs> like oh, from, the, from the white from the white lady production of Dreamgirls, and I'm telling you I'm not leaving. Um, it sounds like something my mother would do. Right? Right, I'm gonna do this real fast before we run out of time, and just in a in a fun celebration uh, because we like these moments. Um, Oreo has introduced a new partnership with P Flag, yes. and with it comes for the first time. Rainbow Oreo cookies with rainbow creams. Now y'all, they are not for sale. They're only making 10,000 packs of these rainbow Oreos. So to get them, you have to join their hashtag proud parent campaign. To join, they ask you to share a photo of what allyship means to you on Instagram or Twitter using the hashtags proud parent and hashtag giveaway while following and tagging at Oreo before October 31st. So if you want to win these, uh, you got to post a photo. With the announcement, they released a short film called Proud Parent that's the story of a lesbian couple going home and one of them worried about her parents' reaction and then her father seems unsure and then he paints a rainbow flag on the fence for the bigot neighbors and it's very lovely. So you want to get some rainbow Oreos? Take you a photo. I'm going to post a picture of my daughters and me marching uh, to for uh, against Prop 8. Yeah, uh, when they were little activists, that would be that, that might work. Absolutely, it will. Um, y'all.
Thank you for joining us for our daytime show. We appreciate those that can watch live. And we know that lots of you who reg normally watch with us will be watching this later. We're grateful to you. Please send us your comments. You can DM either one of us on Twitter or Instagram, wherever. Any thoughts you had about the show that you didn't get to share. And you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collin Shores Productions at gmail.com. Thank you to Erica for your tip that just came in. Do you yeah, have fun weekends? Are you teaching I, all weekend? I am teaching all weekend on Zoom and stuff, but I also have a, to, uh, they're having a production here, a COVID safe of uh, a dance outdoors. And I'm going to that tomorrow to watch the students and um, go uh, hang out.